Welcome to Better Returns, where you will learn how to escape the volatility of the stock market by passively investing in real estate like a pro. 90% of millionaires earned and maintained their wealth by investing in real estate. We will share real life examples from savvy investors so you can do the same. This show is for educational purposes only and should not be considered legal tax or investment advice. He has walked across the five mile long Mackinac Bridge, which only allows pedestrians on it one day a year. Your host and my dad, Matt Hansen. Welcome back to the show, Better Returns, Invest Like a Pro. I'm happy to have on the show today, Sean Dwyer. He's the founder of Golden Oak Real Estate Investments. He focuses on acquiring mobile home parks and RV parks, and he really improves the living experience of the individuals that live in those communities, while also helping investors diversify their income and their investments by getting out of Wall Street. I love that. Um, Sean also has over 18 years of experience in the IT world, and he's worked his way up to an executive role in a Fortune Top 30 company. So excited to have you on the show today, Sean. So let's start off with a little bit about your origin story, how you got involved in real estate. Sounds great. No, I appreciate you having me here today. So I got started in real estate many years ago in the single family side, you know, doing some renovations, doing some fixing, fixing flips. And I liked it. I loved it. Uh, at the time, you know, my family discouraged me from doing that. They said, you know, go, go find a job in, in, you know, corporate company, corporate operation. You could be there for life. I said, okay, that seems much more stable. Uh, still always had that real estate bug though. Just never really did a ton with it uh, until I kept seeing my 401k, which was at the time my primary requirement account, my retirement account just drop twice in my career, almost 30%. Uh, once it was over a course of a couple of years back in 08, 09, 2010. Mm -hmm. And then during COVID, you know, much shorter time frame uh, over the course of a couple of months, you just see your entire life savings just drop by like a <laughs> third. So a little scary. So decided just to take a little bit of a diversification route, listen to tons of podcasts like yourself, uh, read tons of books, and this, the real estate itch was, was always still there. So I was listening to a bunch of podcasts at the time that really focused it on multifamily, mobile home, and RV parks. And mobile home parks just really stuck with me. One, it provides really great value add for low-income housing for folks, which we desperately need all across this country. Uh, they're not building additional mobile home parks just because of the, the large cost and value that's there to, to build all the infrastructure, water, sewer, electric, roads. Uh, and then actually move on in brand new homes, it's very expensive. So you mm -hmm. don't see any new ones popping up. So that's really what attracted me to get into mobile home and RV park investing. You're the first one I've had on the show that's really talked about mobile home parks or RV. So I think this is great. This is a this is an asset class that I'm familiar with, but don't have the deep understanding that you do, Sean. Um, and I know that's a that's been a bit of a challenge. It's always the not in my own backyard type thing. So it's hard, even not only the cost, but the zonings for new mobile home parks to come into play. So what are you seeing? Like, uh, walk me through like how you find these, who are you buying them from, and kind of what does it typically take to turn one around and make it a, a cash flowing good experience? Yeah, so just like on the apartment side of things, there's a bunch of different ways that you can add value to mobile home parks. One, you can move in new homes. So the way oh. that you evaluate a mobile home park is you, like any other piece of real estate, it all comes down to your net operating income, like how much money that business makes. On the mobile home park side, you have 
for the most part, just lot rent that, that you're getting from your residence. Okay. This is a payment that you, you'd be paying to the owner, whether it be a mom and pop corporation, it's a single person that owns it. Uh, you pay them a monthly lot rent. And then from there, they take care of the utilities. Uh, typically, you would have propane or gas or electric in the, the tenant's name. And then all other utilities, water, sewer, trash, are typically in the owner's or project uh, property manager's name. And then the tenants pay the lot rent per month, multiply that by the amount of lots that you have per month. Um, whatever your expenses, they could be the, all your utility expenses, insurance expenses, property management fees, lawn, ma lawn maintenance, lawn care, uh, just general upkeep of the, the, the trees, the roads, the snow removal, uh, all your expenses that go into it. You take that away from your reduction, and then that's ultimately what the value of the property is. Your, the amount of capital that you take from uh, the residents for income minus your expenses is your overall net operating income. But there's a bunch of different ways that you can add value to properties. I can go into those if you would like. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that because, you know, apartments, everybody knows that. It's like flipping a house. This is a totally sure. different beast altogether. So what what yeah. is your typical improvements that you would do? Because you're, you don't own the the residents themselves. You just own the land and the plot, correct, typically? Is that right? That's the more desired ones, right? So if you don't own the home, you don't have to upkeep the roof. Yeah. Inside, the, the water, sewing, the plumbing, like you don't have to upkeep any of that. The tenants own their own homes. They're called either tenant-owned homes or park-owned homes. Tenant-owned homes are more desirable because you don't have to do all the maintenance, the right. upkeep, like you would in an apartment building. The only thing you have to upkeep as the property management company and the owners is just the, the, the roads, the infrastructure, the water, the sewer that comes to the home themselves. The residents take care of the, the homes. Okay. Okay. So, so you come in and typically you don't want to own the homes. You want to, you just want to own the land and you rent, rent the land. What the type of improvements do you guys typically see you need to do? So depending on the age of the community, it could be road maintenance, driveways, uh, tree maintenance. That's usually one that's fairly neglected by <laughs> the previous owners, uh, making sure that the water, the sewer infrastructure is really good, really solid. That you're not, don't have legacy properties that are you know, originally built in 1940s, 1950s, you can mm -hmm. run into some infrastructure issues there, just like on the apartment side. Mm -hmm. And I heard, I had one friend that invested in, I think they passively invested, and they said septic systems are the worst in those. Because, so talk a little bit about why they, she told me that. She goes, oh, the worst thing, I'm always hearing about the septic. So what is the challenge with the septic systems in a, in a mobile home park? Well, there's actually multiple utility systems that you can have for sewer. Uh, the, the gold standard and the ideal one that you would want to have, if, if similar to your single family homes or apartment buildings, would be public sewer. So that would okay. directly connect to municipalities. That's your ideal one. Uh, from there, you have septic systems, you have wastewater treatment plants, and you would could have lagoons. Wow. <laughs> is there a preferred one you want? Obviously, probably the city sewer is the, the low cost for the owners to afford. Is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. You could have it. Um, you could have it directly connected, and the owner could be responsible for paying it, and then gets reimbursed by the residents. You could have direct build. So the ideal, like unicorn property that you would love as a mobile home park owner, would be 100% tenant-owned homes and direct build utilities, water, sewer, trash, electrical, propane. That would be the ideal unicorn property that you would like to look for. Gotcha, gotcha. And so your improvements were were mostly to the road. Just the, the surface stuff, 
landscaping. Um, do you have any amenities in typically in a mobile home park? Do you have any type of amenities? Uh, it depends. So some communities could have basketball courts, playgrounds. You could have five-star mo mobile home parks that have pools, recreation centers. Uh, but, you know, those are typically, they're affordable housing, but they're, they're higher-end higher affordable housing. So you could have 55-plus communities that are you know, more senior-based, and you'll, you'll have a lot of those amenities. If it's an all-age community, you could have playgrounds, like I said, uh, basketball courts, dog parks. It really depends on the community itself, how much land you have, and what, the, what is really driving that for the residents to be there and, and live in that community in that area. Yeah, so you tailor to your market, like you said, if it's an over 55, you're going to have different amenities than if it's, you know, workforce housing like we do with, with some of our multifamily stuff then too. That's good. So where, what markets are you like, where do you buy these? Where, what markets are you primarily looking at? Sure, anywhere in the United States or do you like how, how selective, where are the most of them? Where are the most profitable ones, I guess? Sure. I, they could be profitable anywhere. It's it's really okay. like any sort of asset class. Mm -hmm. If you buy it properly, they could be very, very profitable anywhere. Uh, we love the Mid-Atlantic, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, oh. very strong Virginia areas. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place. You know, when I first built my database of what we have out here, at least in Pennsylvania, uh, within my county of Pennsylvania, I didn't believe it, but there are about 75 mobile home communities that are just in my little county of Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah. You don't see a lot of them. Like they're, they're hidden away, you know, back in rural areas or whatever. That's fascinating. Yeah. What, you don't what think size you are they typically like? Huh? Well, how do you measure these plots? Well, why do you say that? Units? Uh, they would be lots. Yeah. Lots. Just total lots. Yep. So how many, what's the ideal size that, that's ideal to invest in? Ideal, um, it would depend. If it's your first investment, I would recommend anything over 100 lots just because it allows you to have a really good, strong on-site manager that you can pay for. And they either can live in the community or general area and, and manage that property for you. Anything smaller, depending on the utilities and the setup of the, the park itself, um, the community itself, it could be a challenge, but again, it's, it's gonna be individual mobile home community versus one another. Uh, the, if I was looking to purchase one here in the mid-Atlantic, ideally it would be 75 up and above. Um, okay. if, you know, if you're looking for like really great assets that you can add a lot of value over the course of time, ideally a hundred and up would be a good situation for you to be in as a GP or LP. It's the scale thing. The bigger, the better, really. Because the same amount yeah. of work from a management standpoint, but in this case, I would say, because you have set costs, your utility costs are probably fairly high because you have uh, um, street lighting and things like that. And those are, so the, the kind of basically fixed costs. So the more tenants you have, the lower your fixed costs, because most of your costs are fixed. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, most of them are fixed. Yep. So our utility costs, manager costs are all fixed. So the more, the more vacant land, the more open plots of land that you have, the more homes you can move in, you can start to really drive value from that. So you were asking before about value adds. There's a couple different value adds that you could have as a mobile home park community and, and operator as you take it over. Uh, the easiest one is just increased lot rents. So if you can go from a $300 lot rent per month, which includes water, sewer, and trash, to go and bump it up to $325 or $350, that's an instantaneous value add uh, without doing any heavy lifting. Assuming that it's within market, you don't want to necessarily drive too much or drive too quickly ahead of market. 
Excellent, excellent. So, what other things? So, if I'm I'm new to a mobile home park investing as a passive investor, what are the key things I should be looking for when I make that decision? Because there, it's a little bit different. It's it's much different than large multifamily and the other things that 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 we're doing here. Yeah, one thing that I would definitely look at is just look at what the supply demand is, what the housing costs for that given area. So if you're looking, you know, it's one of the first things that I look and underwrite for a community is what does it currently cost if I was to buy or sell a home within that community? What does it cost if I was trying to buy a townhome, a condo, a single family home in that area? If I can buy a single family home in that area for $100,000 to $150,000, I'm going to have an issue moving homes into that community and getting people to move in for brand new homes because they could buy something similar. They don't necessarily have to pay that lot rent. They can go and get a 30-year fixed mortgage, um, you know, great interest rate, where when you get financing for mobile home parks or from, for mobile homes themselves, it's a totally different infrastructure with getting a interest rate and underwriting. It's not that 30-year fixed that you would see as a single family twin home or, or townhome or condo. Ooh. Oh, so you really do need to understand the market specifically. Like we will typically look at the comps, the other apartment complexes around what are they charging for rent and, and all those types of things, the amenities and all that. There's probably a little bit different because you're looking at more fundamental things like how can they finance their mobile home that they're going to put on there? You know, what is the job market look like? We look at that as well, too. So that's really interesting. I didn't, didn't, didn't factor that in. It's a totally different clientele, different criteria. What are the, um, so a typical, you know, syndication for a, a, um, a multifamily or multifamily uh, mobile home park? What, what does that look like? Is it uh, a five-year hold? Is it, are they all value adds? I mean, is the cash flow immediately? Is it deferred? What's your, what's your business plan in general for, the, for these so, yeah, assets? Yeah, that will uh, differ between syndicator versus syndicator. But for us, we want to be long-term holders. We want to own these assets oh. for 20 or 30 years. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, so how do you do it? You, you're syndicating them and your investors will stay in the deal that long? 100%. And, and why is that? Why is that your business model? Sure. So, you know, we'll hold the property, the, the, depending on the debt that we get on it, if it's a massive value add, moving in homes, trying to drive rents, there's... If it's a mom and pop owner that's drastically under market rent, sometimes we can get seller financing deals uh, where we can get pretty good interest rates. Other times it's a very good, very stable asset that we can get, you know, 10 year fixed rate, amazing interest rates. Um, right now they're five and a half percent, 30 year AM, five years interest only for mobile home parks. If we can get really good interest rates for that, you know, we have investors that we've worked with in the past where they just want to put the money in the deal. We'll do a cash out refi in a couple of years when we add additional value for lot rents, moving in homes and really forcing and driving that value. So that's one way we can get them their capital back, but stay in the deal long-term and own it for 20 to 30 years. We're not looking for that massive capital um, like snowball effect. We just want to maintain and own and operate that park from now till the end of time. There's no reason to sell if you have great assets. And that's the business model I'd love to do with multifamily, but, but it's so, more, so, more, so much more difficult because in multifamily, after five or six years, you got to remodel the whole thing. Now you got to recapitalize. You need to bring in more money to do that. In this case, you don't have to do that. And that no. that light bulb just went on. I did not realize that that's how you can hold them and not have to 
because we're kind of forced to sell it after five or six years. We'll double the investor's money, but otherwise we need to have more capital come in to renovate them all to increase the rents. You don't have that element at all. Oh my no. gosh. Yeah, I think, you, I think you've converted me, <laughs> Sean. I never occurred to me. I never really thought that much. Nobody's really shared this with me. So in yeah. people, I get investors all the time to say, you know what? I like we were turning properties in three and four years in the last few years and double their money in two. Well, they said, well, I don't want my money, but I would like to just keep it in and go for 10, 15, you know, indefinitely. So you've you fixed that problem is here's longer term. You can just place your money here. We're going to refinance it at some point when you've increased the value. You give yeah. back a fair amount of share of their investment. So now they've got they've got that 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 return there of a chunk of money. And then they're still in the investment for ever almost. Forever, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty it, powerful. Now I get the attraction that people like, oh, should, we shouldn't share this with everybody. From an investor standpoint, we don't want a bunch of competition out there. So no, what does the competition, <laughs> what's it like right now? Like multifamily, it's really hard to find deals that, that work, that are profitable. Is it the same thing with mobile home parks? You're in the same situation? It is. Yeah, it's similar, right? So we do a couple different marketing aspects. I do direct loan marketing, cold calling to and building relationships over the course of time with mom and pop owners and operators that manage them today. Uh, we do look at wholesale deals. We look at broker deals. It's still the same, okay. right? So it's, you know, people still looking for top dollar when interest rates were, you know, three, three and a half. Uh, they've mm -hmm. doubled since then. So you can't necessarily go and offer the same sort of value. Mm -hmm. Over the last six to 12 months, we've seen, we're starting to see a slow transition now here on the mobile home and RV side, where existing owners and operators are starting to slowly come around. And that's what we're hearing from brokers as well. I don't think you're going to have the issue like in large multifamily people, these short three, three year um, interest only loans that are, are now going to be due in the next year or two. They're going to have to either refinance or sell it. And it's hard to refinance. You, you probably don't see that as much because we're speculation there's going to be a lot of large multifamily available for sale because they just have to. That doesn't really happen in this market so much, do you think? Not in the areas in that we're really looking at. So there there is bridge debt that's out there for some value add stuff that might be not ideal for what uh, Fannie and Freddie offer. So if you're looking at anything that's less than you know, 80, 85% occupied, mostly park-owned homes, um, you know, a lot of infill, you can get some bridge debt for that. Um, and those folks, depending on, you know, what they got from their investors and the interest rates that they currently have, they could be in trouble, but I'm not really expecting it. Yeah. You just, you're just not, it's a totally different business model and, and you're not forced to, to, to do that. Very good. Anything else about that market specifically that, that you think people don't know about? I mean, you've again, my light bulb's going off here constantly about the things that I didn't know this. That's why it's such a long-term, good, great long-term investment. You don't have to remodel it every six years. You just need to maintain it. Any other things that you think the average person wouldn't be aware of? I mean, the one thing to think about too is you know, we the communities that we look at have very heavy presence of double wide homes. So even they are called like mobile homes, they're not very mobile. They cost thousands of dollars to move to a new community or, or a new plot of land. So when you have a double wide home, it comes in on two different trailers. They put it on site. They, you know, mash it together. They put in the, the, the roof and uh, all the vinyl siding and everything together and then put in steps and decking and, and everything. And you hook up all your utilities to it. So when someone is moving out of the area for, for jobs, for relocation, for family, for whatever, they sell it to the next person. 
So you don't ever have a vacancy unless someone actually physically moves the home, which is very, very rare. So when you're looking at your performance, at least on the mobile home park side, you don't see a ton of vacancies. You don't see things drop as you're renovating the community. So as people leave and cycle through, you have your lot rents at a specific number. And then when they cycle through and then someone else moves in, depending on the area and what you're doing within the park itself, you could have rents that are maybe 450 for the entire community mm -hmm. now, but when someone cycles through, maybe that jumps to 500 because that's market. So you can slowly transition people in the community faster if you have turnover. So similar to the apartment side, but we don't really have to go in and, and renovate everything because we don't oh. own the home itself. They sell it to somebody else. That person, new person comes in, pays the higher lot rent because that's just what market is. Oh my gosh. So there's no vacancy because if somebody moves out, they got to sell the property or physically move it. And they typically don't physically move it because of the expense. Absolutely. And unless you're moving to another park, that's, that's fascinating. Oh, another check for why. Okay. That's pretty beneficial. So as a result of that, you'll see the cash flow pretty consistent because you Absolutely. don't have a, okay, you know what? It's summer and you know, people move in the summer. So you're going to see our occupancy go from 98 to maybe 94 or five. You don't see that at all. It's just pretty consistent. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. As long as you have a really good area, strong, you know, people and job growth and consistent, as long as you have a sudden exit of, of folks or like a one, what do they call it? Like a one job market town. As long as you're pretty diversified on your job market, you're good. Excellent. Excellent. Very yeah. good. That's some fascinating stuff. I didn't know. Well, we're going to move to the um, lightning round now. Those are just easy questions that have been asked. <laughs> now the hard ones, Sean. Here's the hard questions. Five fun questions just to get to know Sean a little bit better. The Sounds first good. one, what was your nickname as a child? Flash. My sister Okay, came now up you got to explain that. Um, that was many, many pounds ago. <laughs> but when I was younger, uh, I always used to run and play sports and was pretty fast. So that's that was the nickname that she came up with me was Flash because we were into the superhero thing back then. I, I'm not that anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> did your family members still call you that though? Sometimes, no, <laughs> well, they don't. Oh, you grew out of it. Okay. Definitely grew out of it. <laughs> okay, number two, morning person or a night owl? Morning. It's too bad for you. Okay. I'm good with it. I'm I'm up. I'm at the gym at 5 a.m. I am working at say 6 15, 6 30. And before anybody comes to the office, I already have about two, two and a half hours of work. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> it is. It's beneficial. Well done. Number three, what would be the first thing you do if you won the lottery? First thing I would do if I won the lottery. Um I don't know if it would be the first thing, but it would be one of the things I would always love to do. Uh, I love college football. I love Notre Dame. So the one thing that I would love to do would be to get an RV and just travel around the country and go to every game, home game oh. or away game, and just tailgate and then just have a blast. Just go see the country that way. Oh, that's fun. That's great. Number four, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? Uh, San Diego. Me too. I've lived there a short time. Whereabouts in San Diego? I uh, don't know. I've only been there once, but the weather was awesome. The people were super friendly. Uh, food was great. Uh, the only thing that I would have a little bit of hesitancy out there is just earthquakes. That's the only thing that I would not want to move out there for. But other than that, the weather was great. People were awesome. I lived there for a while in, in Pacific Beach. Oh my gosh. The weather's beautiful every single day. 
pretty much just incredible so i'm with you i love love san diego it's it's wonderful and number five what's the one piece of advice that you would give to new investors to help them get better return know the asset class of what you're investing in and know the operator gotcha that that's key the jockey and the horse both not just one <laughs> or the other i love both I mean, you're putting your hard-earned money that took either months or years to, to kind of grow with that nest egg. You want to make sure that you're investing in the right vehicle and the right person. Excellent advice. Very good advice. Well, Sean, how can people learn more about you and the great things you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, you can go to my website, goldenoakrei.com. Uh, you can also email me at sean.dwyer at goldenoakrei.com. And set up some time, reach out to me, let me know how I can help you in any way. We can set up a virtual coffee meeting and discuss if you have any questions on the asset classes, mobile home and RV parks, feel free to reach out. Um, if you're looking to get into the space as a GP or an LP, always looking to help and ed help educate. Outstanding, outstanding. And that information will be in the show notes as well. I know I'll continue the conversation with you on the show. We're friends now about, about learning and potentially passively investing. And I think it's a fascinating, fascinating asset class that I think it's overlooked a lot because just people don't know about it. So thanks for bringing a lot of value to our listener today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for All your right. time. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Better Returns, brought to you by Hanson Holdings. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review because it helps others discover this valuable content. If you would like to earn truly hands-off passive income, go to HansonHoldings.com, where we help you invest in large apartment complexes to grow your family's wealth. See you next week with another awesome episode. Have a great day.